Praise the Lord. I've always had such great delight in talking to you people because I don't know what, I've never heard your pastor preach, but he must have done something good because there's an aliveness and an attending presence that I discern that I think is exciting. Today when you was clapping your hands, how many of you could feel the, the air thicken? And it, it was almost like, a, like I had my, whole, my hand in, in a, stuck it in an electric light socket. Did, did, uh, did, did the curl come out of my hair? <laughs> it was wonderful here. And I remember that was the same way when you received me over in the main sanctuary. When I, was it in January when I was here? You know, and uh, that's very rare to run into that kind of atmosphere. So I commend your pastor for whatever God, however God has used him, he's done something at least to prepare your hearts with an anticipation or an expectation. And you get an excitement in your spirit. Now I, d I didn't come here with any planned message to speak, so I don't know, I'm gonna have to look for the Lord to really lead me. I have an idea, just before I sit down there, what he would like me to share some thoughts with you, because traveling like I do, I probably get into almost every kind of Christian movement that there is. Every, uh, every deviation of doctrine. But most people aren't, aren't very victorious. Most people really live such a, they live a painful life. And my, I don't, I don't know why they should suffer like that. Maybe it's because they haven't been taught correctly. I don't know as I have known a defeated moment, and I mean a defeated moment in well over six years now. And I'd like to share just some of those things with you, how I have come to, to be, well, I cry a lot. Sometimes I cry a lot with joy. Sometimes I cry a lot with deep, deep prevailing heart pain, the, the, heart, the grieving heart of the Lord. But in the midst of all that, mm, I, I tell you, people ask me, how are you, Brother Conscious? I say, well, if it got any better, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> Do you understand, you have the ability to really live probably a thousand percent more victorious than you are in every bad relationship. Remember Paul, well he was quite a knucklehead. While he was out there being stoned and beat with rods, Philippians he come along and he said, I've learned in whatsoever circumstance of environment to be content. Have we got anybody here like that? <laughs> You're working on it. Have we got any failures in your working on it? <laughs> no. <laughs> Listen, you don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to allow failures to destroy you. You don't, have to, you don't have to live like you're living with this environment of this world. You know, sitting in council like I do, and I'm sure the pastoral staff, you've got a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of painful people. I used to be a hypochondriac. You know what a hypochondriac is? He or she is a kind of a person that every kind of pain you have in, a, in your body is a terminal disease. I think my hypochondriac was a hypochondriac. And I had, and when I got saved, you know, I, I didn't know, just know what to do. But um, one time a brother, he says, brother, he says, I think you have a problem. I said, yeah, I think so too. And I don't know what to do about it. He says, it's the way you think. 
and even more than that, it's the way you talk. Secretly and consciously, you're so undisciplined with your mind that your mind is a cesspool of negative thoughts and negative feelings. And you are allowing that. You're allowing that because you're lazy. He wasn't very nice to me. He says, you're lazy, you're undisciplined. He says, uh, you confess the word, but you don't really believe it. And worse than that, you don't act like it. He says, you are one defeated pup. <laughs> it sure was hard on my self-pity trip. Because <laughs> I, I don't suppose we have anybody like that here. Huh? <laughs> I want to look at uh, Proverbs 18 to start with here, and I don't know where all we're going to go. I just the King James. Do you have the King James? Huh? New New International. You have the King James? Let me see the King James just as soon as you find it. Uh, anybody know where the Book of Hezekiah is? Second Hezekiah has got some of the greatest scriptures I know of. I especially like Second Hezekiah 9.14. It said, Blessed is he who yields to temptation and eats all the chocolate chip cookies that he wants. <laughs> Did you ever find that scripture? Huh? You ought to find it. And then I really believe that one. Have no trouble with it. Real faith for it. Are you in it? Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And Matthew 12, Jesus said, Out of the bones of the heart, the mouth speaks. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You see, I can, I can be around Christians not very long, probably about one sentence, and I can tell you whether they're a victorious believer. I'm amazed at the magnitude of complaining believers. <laughs> they call them murmurs. You know, you, do you know what the consequence of was the believers in Jehovah in the Old Testament when they come out of Egypt? What was the consequences? They died. They didn't get to go into Canaan. Now, what is Canaan a type of? Huh? Milk and honey, no. What is Canaan a type of? Huh? Rest. It, yeah, that's good. It's also a type of the kingdom. So if you're a complaining Christian, willfully or unwillfully, just put it down, you will not be going into the kingdom erect. I think I ought to share this too. In one of the appearances of the Lord Jesus, because last time we talked about the soon coming of the Lord, didn't we? Isn't that what we talked about? Got getting perfect? But uh, Jesus appeared to me, he said, he said, all my people, and then he repeated, he said, and I, and I say, all my people who do not have control of their spirit and their mouth in the day of the Lord, in the day of my judgment, it will be an automatic invitation, like a magnet, to draw in a Judas spirit. And by that, many of their own loved ones and other ungodly ones will be killed needlessly. That's kind of scary. Did you understand what I've said? Would you like me to repeat it? Jesus appeared to me and said, he said, my son, all my people, I mean all my people who do not learn to have control of their mouths in criticism, in prejudice, in opinions, will be like a magnet drawing in a Judas spirit in the day of the Lord, which will cause the death of many of their own loved ones and many other godly ones needlessly. Boy, oh, that's scary. It would, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could just put a permanent zipper on this thing? 
and uh, and think think carefully before we open our mouth. I've saw Christian wives destroy their husbands or their marriages in their zeal to get their husbands saved because they had they had knowledge without wisdom. I was invited to a, a group of ladies to teach one night in Bonita, California, and I preached for about two and a half, two hours, I guess it was, no, about an hour and a half, and then I ministered for another hour, and then they wanted me to pray for their husbands. I said, well, before I pray for your husbands, I said, let me ask you something. I says, evidently your husbands, none of them are saved. No, none of them are saved. I said, well, when they come home from their tired day at work, do you, do you nag at them? Do you whine at them? Do you tell them about all your woes with the kids for the day? Nobody answered yes. Nobody answered no. But I knew the answer. I said, do you look like a hog? And smell like a hog? That's a very crude word, but you know, it doesn't take much for a lady to look like a hog. Is this too severe, Pastor? And, and smell like one. You know, they, they lo- when they was going with a the guy, they dressed their best. But now after they're married, you know, they got one excuse or another that uh, it's the kids or it's the lack of money or this or that. But it don't take much to pour a little water on yourself. And Chanel number five does real great things for guys. <laughs> and it says, do you... Uh, and so uh, I says, do you, are you dressed real neat and nice? Have you got things picked up around the house? Or if not, the clutter is different between filth, you know. And I couldn't get any positive answers away from these ladies. And I says, well, uh, do you greet him at the door with an excitement, with anticipation, and showing him your affection and your love and your joy that he's home? No. I said, well, I think I better pray for you. I says, uh, I could pray for your husband. I says, what in the world? Here you are, Christians, and you live the same way, you talk the same way, you act the same way, you whine the same way, you bicker the same way, you smell the same way. I says, what in the world does, does your husband want what you say you got? Does that make sense? Oh, now, maybe I ought to pick on the men a while here, huh? Scripture says, husbands, love your wives and give yourself up for your wives like Christ gave himself up for the church. One of the greatest fallacies, now they used to call me marrying royal because I've married, no, I've performed, my wife says, you ain't married nobody but me. I've performed over a thousand weddings and that's a lot of experience. And in those early years in the sanctuary, we only had a, ba- a, san- or a nursery for 10 babies. But after, I averaged two weddings a week for two years straight, and then the baby started coming. Man, that was insanity. We had to move out of our parsonage where 32 of us lived. We had to make that our nursery, and they'd want me to come in there and bless them babies. It was like sticking your finger in a light socket. I'd come out of there with no curl in my hair, you know, from all the... It was the ball house, <laughs> B-A-W-L. Now, I believe that I've got the greatest wife that ever lived. I really believe that she's perfect. I've had women tell me, I wish I could hear my husband say something like that about me. Have you earned it? I don't know if my wife has earned it, but I have created her. Because in the early years, you know, I had that ego. I would tell, I'd, I'd say things around her friends, her friends' friends. And I'd brag about my wife. She wasn't like that. I lied a lot. I lied with faith. Do you understand what I said? I lied with faith. I called that which was not as though it was. That's the only way you can lie, you know, is lie with faith. 
And uh, I know what pretty soon it got back around through gossip. You know, it goes pretty fast. And it's what the psychologists call reverse psychology. Says, well, if he thinks I'm like that, I better be that before he gets wise. Have you heard what I've said? Yeah. Now I can say things to her face, but in, I was embarrassed and ashamed in those days. And uh, my children have never heard anything negative about, about my wife out of, their, out of my mouth. And I don't think any saints have either. Have you ever heard anything negative about my wife, Karen? I wonder if she has some bad faults. Oh, I'm sure she does. But see, I never allow myself to see them. I never allow myself to think about them. And even more, I never allow myself to voice them. Because I have a bond with her, you see. And the very thing that I'm voicing that's negative, I'm increasing its strength in her life. But the very thing that I'm voicing with faith is destroying the negative things in her life and she's becoming the very thing that I'm saying. Does that make sense? For, and uh, and it's, it's, it's such fun to play the creative game of faith with your mouth. To create relationships with your mouth that aren't really factually true. But to say what has got to be said to create them so that they become the very thing that you say. Are you listening to what I'm saying? You have the power of life or death in your tongue. And it helps if you, you force yourself to believe the, the wonderful things you're saying that are not. Are you, are you listening to me? And it's the same way with when I worked with my employer. I worked at North Island Naval Air Station. I worked in a building with 275 people. And uh, I really had me some job. I uh, had a little tool room that was my prayer room and cry room and, and miracle working room. And, and nobody come near me until they got in trouble. And then they would want somebody to pray the prayer of faith. And I did for the sinners. You follow me? Led them to the Lord or got miracles. But I'd find out the apple polishers. You know what the apple polishers are? had terrible bosses, terrible. But I'd find out the apple polishers and coffee periods or sometime during the work I'd get around them and I'd start bragging about my boss or my bosses, whoever they were, something terribly wonderful. You know what I did? <laughs> that old apple polisher, he went back in. I'd watch him. i walk away like a cat who ate a good mouse. <laughs> and he'd walk away and he'd go in and sit down with the bosses and chat. Those bosses became exactly to me what I said they were. Even though to nobody else they were that. They literally became pawns in my life by my mouth. Don't you know what I mean? In other words, they became delicious, beautiful bosses. Everybody else, they were terrible. But those bosses would go out of their way to be the nicest guys to me. Because you see... They had heard that I had said these wonderful things about them. Are you understanding what I'm saying? You, the believer, don't really realize how much death you create in every relationship. Or how much death you create in your own, in your own life. As a man thinketh, so is he, or a man speaks out of the abundance of his heart. You've got to have an image of faith. While my wife is just terribly angry at me, I've got to have an image of faith. I've got to think about her like God thinks about her. Now, I'm sure that God, when he, he looks at you, he sees the end result of his purpose as though it is. And if you is don't cooperate, you'll have trouble. <laughs> Did you understand that? Good English, wasn't it? Now, it's very important for you to really make a commitment to this. When I started out, I had to do an awful lot of repenting. Every time I found a negative confession about my wife come out of my mouth, I'd have to, oh, Jesus, I want you to forgive me for that sin. Anything that you're, 
And of course, almost invariably, our mouth always talks what we think, doesn't it? Most of the time. And of course, us real religious people, we think we're meditating and we're getting all these lying thoughts about somebody. See, so that gives us, justifies us to criticize and give our opinions, doesn't it? Uh -uh. Now, you could probably in 30 days time create your circumstances to be 100% better. The way you think with your head and the way you talk with your mouth. <laughs> and uh, you, don't, you just don't gain this overnight. But can you imagine being the victory? Not getting the victory, but being the victory? Like the black man says, I is the victory. Yes, sir, I is the victory. Because I've determined that my mouth or my head is going to think creatively, divinely, and my mouth is going to talk divinely. Well, I can just imagine what trouble I'd be if God had unbelief for me. If he stood up there wherever he's sitting, drinking his mint juleps and smoking his white owl cigars. No. <laughs> no. I always say that because I want to see how many religious people I got out in the audience. <laughs> Let's say that. <laughs> you know, you're all right. You laughed at my jokes. I kind of like you. <laughs> now, there has to come a change by your choice. You want to be lazy? You want to be undisciplined? You want, you want to enjoy your miserable life? Just allow yourself to think like it and talk like it. Guarantee it. Have fun in your misery. But you want to be victorious? Man, I tell you, like the scriptures in Romans 8, uh, 8 uh, 37 says, uh, thanks, be God, thanks be God who always causes us to... Oh, we are more than... No, I better read it. Romans 8, 37. Am I running you off already? No, I don't. Don't, don't, don't. I'm not accusing you. Romans 8, 37. I want you to look at that. It says, what does it say? But in all these things we're overwhelmingly conquerors through him who loved us. Now you go back and it, it goes back and it talks about uh, what things. Verse 35 who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or dress, distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or, sir, or sword or somebody's criticisms about me, somebody's prejudices about me, all this negative stuff that people are saying and thinking about me. Who's going to separate me from the love of God? And all these things, I, he has made me an overwhelming conqueror. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, he said, I take pleasure in my persecutions. I take pleasure in all these people being naughty to me. Can you imagine while that knucklehead was being stoned with stones, he said, praise the Lord, what pleasure. He was content. You think I'm being foolish? No, no. Am I exaggerating? No, no, no. It's a matter of the way you think and the way you're going to talk. I take pleasure in all these things. Just like I called my wife last night and, and uh, last few times when I've been home, she... Uh, while I'm gone, she gets to sleeping by herself. But when I come home, she has to learn to sleep all over again. Now she's got to sleep with somebody that is just a riot because I flip this way and flip this way and flip this way and turn this way. <laughs> when, when we were first married, we had a, just a normal, normal size bed. And uh, uh, I was so wild, I'd, I'd take my foot and I'd push her like this and thump. She'd, when she'd wake up when she hit the floor, and she put up with that several times. And one day at the North Island Naval Air Station, where these big cranes you load these aircraft from the, from the dock onto the aircraft. A crane hit somebody in the head and killed him. And so I put a half Nelson on her, threw over my shoulder on the floor uh, and, and, and I'm in my sleep. And she got up and she said, that's it. She went out and bought twin beds. <laughs> now we had twin beds until just about five years ago. You don't mind me telling a few of these stories. <laughs> I can't hardly blame her, you know. I mean, what would you do? Are, are you married? What would you do about your husband if he threw you over your head in your sleep? 
You, is that all? Everybody, most people like to get a divorce. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, just about five years ago, we got another bed. But she'd been telling me the last two, three times, she says, I have to learn to sleep all over again. So I suggested on the phone last night, I said, well, I says, honey, I says, uh, maybe we ought to get twin beds again. And she started to cry. I said, what are you crying for? She said, I want you alongside of me. She says, I don't get to have much of you. I want you alongside of me. I said, come on, honey. Rise higher. Let's, let's get out of the emotion now. Let's get into the joy of the Lord. Okay? I wouldn't let her live down there in all that loneliness and all that pain. Uh-uh. I said, come on, honey. Rise higher. Put your tears away. You see, is that tough? Yeah, that's tough. But see, people like to live in those negative tears. They like to live in those negative emotions. They like to feel so sorry for themselves. They like to have so much self-pity because somebody doesn't love me. Oh, isn't that too bad? You see, it's flesh. So in kindness, says, come on, honey, rise higher. Let's get back into my joy I give unto you. My peace I give unto you. Let's get back in the spirit. And she did it. Are you listening? What are you going to do with your life? Where are you going to live your life? How are you going to... Uh, listen, there is so much pain out there. And even believers, I'm just amazed, they have an uncanny ability to hurt each other. Why? Because there's something unsanctified inside. Boy meets girl, even husband and wife, always playing that game to get some advantage from the other person for your selfish desires. Don't we? Is this too severe? Listen, this is where we live. My wife just spoils me terribly. I like it. Karen spoils me terribly when I come back in. I like that too. There's no way that I could ever return the tremendous things that people do for me. There's no way that I could ever return the serving exaggeration of my wife to me. All I can do is just give her a little tidbit here, a little tidbit here, a little tidbit here. And she's so grateful for the morsels. But see, her gratitude must rise to the plane of righteous joy instead of emotional grabbing. Are you listening to what I say? Oh, here's a scripture that maybe <laughs> you never hear anybody preach on this. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 29. But this I say, brethren, the time has been shortened so that from now on both those who have wives should be as those they didn't have wives. Or both those who have husbands be as though they didn't have husbands. What in the world are you talking about there? You ever read that scripture? People hear me preach about relationships. So the wife, she's going to become real spiritual. She cuts the husband off from conjugal relationships. She's going to be spiritual. And so the husband writes me and says, my wife cut me off. <laughs> Or vice versa. <laughs> I'm talking if there's a physical need, you have no right to withhold that need. Amen. You follow me? If you're going to be spiritual, you both got to be spiritual the same way. All right? You can't, one, you can't go it alone because this is why Paul said, I would that all men were like I am. You know how he was? He was single. He must have had some wisdom that most of us have never got a hold of. <laughs> Did you hear that, sir? <laughs> Here's a youngster over here. Now listen to him. When you live in the spirit, in union with God, you don't have need of that negative feeding and gratification in your emotions and your mind. Have you heard what I've said? But if the wife can't live there, then the husband has got to do something to
to meet her where she's at to draw her higher, or if the husband don't live her, live there in the spirit, then the wife has got to live some way toward her husband to draw him into the higher realms. You know the scripture says the man has his birth by the woman? Not the baby. The man has his birth by the woman. Yes. How is she going? What do you mean? The wife has the privilege of birthing her man in his manliness. Make him feel so good. So strong. So superior. Such a great husband. By the things that she says and the things that she does directly to him and indirectly to him. But the same way, the man can have, or the woman can have his birth by the man, or her birth by the man. By the way he, the way he becomes a righteous Lord, loving her. Not loving her on her selfish terms, and not feeding those selfish terms, but loving her on agape terms. Agape never fails. Filial love, or erotic love, fails. But agape love cannot fail. Are you listening? And it's all the way you think, all the way you're motivated, all the way you're dedicated to sacrifice. Well, he just don't. So what he don't? Birth him out of the don'ts into the do's. Have you heard what I've said? Get a hold of an image of faith. Start decreeing the things in inconspicuous ways of doing things to him. Man, I tell you, I had a, had a woman come to me, her, her, her husband had left her, and she was now living with another woman. You ought to heard the counsel, the wild counsel that I gave her, so she could get her guy back. See, they always go to someplace else because something is not being satisfied or gratified to them in the positive realms in their relationship. So the grass always gets greener on the other side of the fence. Man, I take care of my pasture at home. You understand? Wives need to take care of their pasture at home. They need to water that pasture, fertilize that pasture, put a lot of perfume on it. <laughs> look real great and nice. You know, you don't have to spend a lot of money to look, look pleasing and smell good. You know what I mean? And. Men like to be pampered and petted, something terrible. When I get sick, I really get pampered. But I don't like to get sick to get pampered. You know, my wife says I'm the biggest baby when I get sick, and I am. And I think my baby gets babies. She spoils me terribly wonderful, I love it. But I have to really make I have to take deliberate choices to do little things. I don't think, I don't like birthdays and Christmas just for giving things. I like to give something spontaneously. No birthdays, no Christmas or holidays like that. And I like to see her come down the hall, she's busy in the work, and I just grab her and I hold her close and I breathe in her ear. Whisper, I love you. Boy, I tell you, she'll die for me. <laughs> you wives know what your husband's like. The problem is because of your own selfish nature is interfering of giving and serving and birthing that gratification to a higher realm. Are you listening to me? Aren't you glad you come today? Amen. Same way with your employers. Man, they may be rotten. All you got to do is just look who the pets are. You know, you know who the brown baggers are? You heard that term, brown baggers, apple polishers? Huh? Go around and brag gloriously with lying faith. <laughs> you see? But then you act like that to them. You act like you believe that. And lo and behold, there's something in ego that if you hear somebody saying something good about you, even though it's not true, you're going to do your best to put on that kind of an image. Can you imagine 
what you wives could do to your husbands, man, you could make them the king of the roost and the servant of your, of your own glory. Are you listening? Come on, saints. Let's, 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 let's live. The, the, the failing life that we've had, the pain that we have in relationship, is all because of our own foolishness. I don't know if I have preached a message like this in a long time, but I'm liking it. <laughs> Philippians, I want you to look at that. Philippians 4, I think it is. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable. Oh, let's go back up here. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. When you feel like it, when everything's going great, when everything's coming your way, oh, hallelujah. No, 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 no. Can you imagine that knucklehead Paul? Here he had been beaten and put in prison, and he was singing the high praises of God in his pain, and the Lord looked down upon him, rejoicing in him in his pain, and an earthquake come, opened all the prison doors. Wouldn't you like to rejoice in God that well that God would send an earthquake in your situation? Huh? Hallelujah. Be anxious for nothing. Oh, let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. What in the world is a forbearing spirit? It's how to keep your mouth shut when somebody's naughty to you. <laughs> but we like to retaliate. We like to get in our two, two bits worth or 50 cents worth or even more than that. We got to win in this situation. Oh no, that's all sin. Are you listening? Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever true, whatsoever is honorable, whatsoever is right, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely, whatever is good repute. If there's any excellent and anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell upon these things and let your mouth talk about these things. Is this all right, Brother Kim? Uh, we, we read this and we just let it bite. Well, that can't mean me. No, I, I want to get my life on my terms. I want my relationship to relate to me on my terms. You follow what I'm saying? Yes, yes. If you walk around me, I won't let you live to me on your terms. You're going to have to live to me on God's terms because I'm going to be on God's terms to you. I think so. Is that, am I that way, Karen? I have to ask, see? And I don't think she's going to lie to, lie to you for me. Now listen to me. I got so much victory, I don't know what to do with it. Because I think like victory. I talk like victory. I act like victory. I don't always feel like victory, victory but I'm sure not going to let you or anybody else know it. You follow what I'm saying? Might be times that you might have to undergird me with a little blessing and things like this, but... Can you imagine when you say, how are you today? What do you most people say? You get the whole life story of their pains. Huh? Isn't that what you do? You don't want to ask nobody, how are you? Because you don't want a half hour dialogue. Huh? You, you got a question? Yes. You, you just said you think and act like victory, but uh, if you don't feel like it, you, uh, you won't let anyone else know about it. Does that also go for your wife? I'm not living my wife's life. I, I am not the one that orders her life. I don't care whether she says good things or bad things about me. You follow what I'm saying? I only, say, I only am concerned that I think and say good things bad about her. I don't care whether anybody loves me. I am concerned that I love them. Amen. You see, I can't live your life for you. If, if you want to think bad about me, enjoy your miserable life. <laughs> I don't think bad about me. I'm, I think I'm the most beautiful, ugly guy alive. Take your choice. Whatever you want. Think about me the way you want. But I'm going to think about you. What did I, when I got up here today, what did I say? I think you're beautiful. I really, well, look at you. You are beautiful. You guys get up in the mirror and say, oh, what a handsome guy. You women get up in the mirror and say, I think you're beautiful. You ought to try that. Try it until you're brainwashed. 
It couldn't hurt. Yeah, you have to remember. Every one of you that I tell people is if you don't like what you see and if I don't like what I say, I have to remember that this is the best that God could do with the money he had at the time. <laughs> and when he made his creations, he used perfect mud. Didn't he? He used perfect mud. He said, look at this, the perfect mud. <laughs> you, come on, you have to shake your head like this, Audrey. <laughs> yes, I should say now. One of the major keys is in 2 Corinthians 10. Anybody know what I'm going to read? One of my famous scriptures, but I have never brought it out like this. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. Now, I'm quickened by the Holy Spirit to turn to another scripture to interfere here. Romans 8, verse 5. Well, let's look at Romans uh, 6, verse 16 first. 6, 16. And I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. Don't you know that when you continually surrender your self-life, your soul life, to anyone or to anything to do its will, you become their slave? To whom you are submissive to? In other words, if somebody's naughty at you and you yield your soul life to them to be naughty back, you're the prisoner of the one that started it. They really got you where they want. I have to tell you, have I ever told my New England story uh, in the AM, PM gas station? I was driving and riding with a, this is first, my first trip back here in, uh, in, uh, in New England state. And uh, I was with another apostle and he had great big old letters and eight inch letters, God is in control. But we pulled in the same gas station, no, no boys room, so I have to go across to the mobile gas station. He fills up with gas, it's his van. And I come back and I'm standing here in the back of the van waiting for him to pay the bill. And here's a car back here waiting to get in. They must have thought it was my car. And the guy that owned the car must have been paying, the van must have been paying the bill one notch above dead stop because all of a sudden this man and this woman in this car got out and says, you blankety blank, blokety bloke, such and such. I'll let you fill in the blinks and blanks. Get that blinkety blank blonde bloke so, so such and such car out of the way. Well, right away the human tendency would be, you can't talk to me like that. But I just rose up and joined rest and said, say please. It's, ca <laughs> it's, called, it's called the fruit of the Spirit, fruit of self-control. One of the fruit of self-control, you know, fruit of the Spirit. And, and that made it worse that they got, they got to swearing and cursing at me more. And every time I get a little, I said, please, say please. <laughs> Finally, the man screamed at me, he says, is God in control? I said, oh, very much so. He saw, saw that sign on that car. And then pretty soon the woman gets out and she says, please, 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 please. <laughs> I says, wouldn't it be nice for you to just say it so sweetly and gentle? See, I was in control. Self-control, they call it. And uh, they get in, they wave their arms at each other and cuss each other pretty soon. She said, she got out, she says, sir, could you move that van forward, please, so we could get some van? I said, thank you for being so kind. So I walked up, and guess what? The keys was in the ignition all the time, but I didn't know that. So I drove the car away, pulled it up, drove it away, and I said, Lord, I don't know if I handled it right, but I sure enjoyed it. <laughs> you see, he that does not have control of his spirit, he don't have control of his mouth. He that does not have control of his spirit is like a city without walls and torn down. So your mouth really is the color or the nature that's in your spirit. And what's in your spirit is in your mind and in your emotions and your old dirty hearts, if you got one. Thinking dirty, thinking naughty, thinking critical, thinking judgmental, thinking, poor me, oh, you don't love me, so what? You love him. 
or you love her. I don't care whether my wife ever loves me or not. I do care that I love her. Does that make sense? I don't care whether people love me or not. Oh, sure, Roy would like to have it. But if he don't get it, so what? The command is love everyone with agape love. So I have to think love. I have to bring every one of my emotions into control, my mind into control, my mouth into control. I literally work at being agape. I literally work at being joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and meekness. And you know when I can work at it the best is when I have the most nasty people around me. Yeah, when people are the naughtiest is the time that I can really work at being the greatest in God. Thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph in Christ, Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God who always gives me the victory in Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God who has made me overwhelmingly a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I don't have to live in defeat. Let them have their misery. I don't want no, their misery or any of mine. Amen. Am I making sense to you? You, you? you have the power to determine how miserable you want to be. Almost all your problems is your fault because you're blaming it on somebody else. Every man is right in his own eyes, even when we're wrong, we're right. Isn't that right? Is this all right, Ruthie? Are you still rejoicing? Are you still clapping your hands? <laughs> I'm telling you of the, of the, probably the, one of the greatest secrets to all life is just exactly how you think and how you feel about one another. And you need to ask yourself when you relate to every man and every woman, maybe that person is Jesus Christ. Give him that kind of respect. Do you know what would happen if we could give each other the same respect that we would give to Jesus? You understand? We don't have any trouble respecting him. We don't have any trouble uh, having negative feelings about him because he never has any negative feelings and never thinking, er, negative thinking about us. He's got it in control up here. But he's in you. So somebody's naughty to you? Praise the Lord. Hmm, feels so good. Are you listening to what I'm saying? You think this is practical? Can you imagine what a church would be? No more gossip. No more tail-bearing. No more criticisms. You'd have to go out and find a bunch of other saints to come in here so the church wouldn't be so nice. You'd have to have somebody, somebody that hasn't perfected work on. Now, see, if you listen to this message, I'll never have to come back again. You won't need me again. Maybe I'll have to come back in so you can work on me. <laughs> Are you listening? Listen. It's God who works within you to will and do of his own life. Let him be God. Let him be Lord. He does things so well. He's a great lover. You can love the most unlovable. Well, you got that rattlesnake by the neck. I love you, snake. <laughs> no. Not with negative emotion. Oh, you're a beautiful snake. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Yes. I'd have to really, I'm sure my wife got faults. But I really have to work at it to, to really come up with some real thinking about it. She has become such a great woman. She has become exactly what I have thought and talked that she is. And I have a little fear of allowing myself to get careless with my mind and my emotions about her, lest I create my own pain out of her life. We don't know how much we create our own suffering 
by our mouths what it says about others. I don't know how long I preach here, do you? I have an album called <coughs> Overcoming Family Conflicts. Some of you, if you're having family conflicts, it's designed for where both husbands and wives are Christians. So that that silliness stops. Do I have conflicts in my home? Yep. They last about 30 seconds. That's all. One day, we, we lined our basement walls where all our equipment is and bedrooms and things and offices so it wouldn't be cold in the wintertime, cool in the suburb. And I was going to have my son do some taping around the outlets, the electrical outlets, because I used to be a, con a construction man, and, and I, I'm a perfectionist in everything I do, whether it's construction work or whether it's trying to walk with God. I'm literally striving to be perfect in attitude and mind and action, reaction, response. And so I, the, my son just did a terrible job, and I got so mad. I, it wasn't just enough scolding him. I was going to destroy him, and I just kept coming at him, coming at him, and coming at him. My wife come running out of the bedroom and running to me, Papa, Papa, Papa! Almost knocked me over like a big professional tackle. She says, your spirit is so bad. I heard God. Immediately, I fell to my knees in tears, pleading with my son to forgive me for my bad spirit, even though I was right. And of course, he's a little stubborn. He didn't want to. He says, please, son, don't let stubborn and stubborn destroy our love for each other, our relationship together. And he fell on his knees, and we was in each other's arms. It lasted about 30 seconds. Sure, you'll all make mistakes. It takes, it takes the work of grace to you to humble yourself. When you don't feel like being humble, when you feel like you have a right to defend your pain that they've said and done to you. So what? Except a man lose his pain in forgiveness and sweetness and agape love. He'll never find life. Let's stop killing each other. I just don't have any need of my wife as a human being. I only have need of my wife as a Christ woman. Any relationship that I'm going to be gratified from her from a lower level is killing me. And any relationship that I'm going to give her from a lower life of royal is going to kill her. Come on, honey. Let's rise higher. Let's love one another by giving to one another. Not for your personal selfish gratification or mine, but for his glory. Can you imagine how the king would be glorified? Can you imagine how, how you would accelerate? You, you, you look at people sometimes, and they worship in the Lord, and my gracious sake, you look at, their, look at their faces, they look like they got a gas pain. <laughs> they ought to be making love to the Lord and smiling. This is a love affair. Oh, I love you, Lord. I look at Ruthie here, she's always smiling. Why? Somewhere the king has become supreme or is becoming more supreme. She's radiant to look at. Somebody, when they think right in God, they become radiant. They become a glow. He adds himself to you so gloriously. He becomes all strength, all grace, all abilities, all supply, all sufficiency in you. Oh, come on, let him be Lord. In the way you think, the way you talk, the way you act, the way you react. Somebody's naughty to you, say praise the Lord. They're probably getting naughtier. Praise the Lord some more. Might even kill you. Praise the Lord. What difference does it make? You have no right to determine how other people is going to relate to you. You have one right to determine that you are going to relate to others in agape. That's enough.
I preach myself in conviction. I also feel the workings of travail inside because I, I realize the foolishness of the believer. How much they suffer because of their own silliness. I'm always looking for something to repent about in my relationship with my wife. The least little bit of strain. Nobody can be right. I can't be right. She can't be right. Jesus has to be satisfied. And I'll always take the initiative. I'll confess and repent of sins that I don't even think I did. They're all mine. My children and my wife, all their weaknesses and faults are my faults. They're my sins. I'll confess them. I'll confess them to God. God, forgive us for this sin. It's mine. Reconcile my wife and my children to God by my confession. Have you heard what I've said? <laughs> I still think you're beautiful. I think you're exceptionally wonderful. It's a great joy to be here. Let's pray. Jesus, I've talked so straight, so severe. And I know that we've all failed a thousand ways every day. But somewhere you have got to be Lord in our life. Somewhere your success has got to overrule our failures. Help us to bring our thoughts into captivity. I didn't even read that scripture, did I? I better read it before I finish praying. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God. Through the pulling down of every stronghold. Isn't that the way it goes? But powerful, divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses, fortresses of all your selfish life. The Prince of the Air is out here. He's just waiting for you to yield to his justification in your selfish life. But we're destroying all these speculations. We're destroying every lofty thing that raises, against, uh, raises itself up other than agape. The knowledge of God, we're taking every one of our thoughts and our feelings and attitudes and motives and reactions captive. Jesus, just sanctify us in our mind, in our emotions, in our hearts, in our wills, in our attitudes, in our motives, in our reactions, in our actions. Sanctify us so that nothing, nothing comes forth except agape. That when you walk around somebody, they're smiling with his, his smiles. They're gentle with his gentleness. They're meek with his meekness. They're bold with wisdom. They're merciful and gracious in forgiveness of all things. Wanting nothing from nobody, but only wanting the chance to be love in manifestation. Will you help us, Lord Jesus? Would you take something like this and let them rehearse it day after day? And then would you let all hell turn loose in their life so they have a chance to become Christ? Would you teach them how to submit to you and to glory and to your person and to your being so that you can be Lord? Amen. I know the Lord has made a way for me. I know the Lord has made a way for me. If my